This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the Glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson and Michael Fabiano. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, and Michael Fabiano. After the smoke is cleared, Mike, week 17 is in the books. We are headed off into the NFL playoffs. But without controversy, of course. What's going on with you, my man? Not much, dude. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not super disappointed that the Cowboys lost. Okay. I don't know where you stand on this. I've been wanting the Cowboys to lose basically ever since Dak and our offensive line uh, <laughs> went in the tank and Dak got hurt. A lot of folks out there maybe disagree, but I will take the 10th overall pick. The Cowboys didn't deserve to get to the playoffs. The Giants didn't get uh, deserve to get to the playoffs. Washington really didn't deserve to get to the playoffs either, but I mean, they're the team that won the divisions. So, uh, I'm, you know what? It, it, it's one of those, it's one of those days where like you, you appreciate fantasy football because I didn't have anything going on this weekend, right? No leagues. They were all done. And as much as fun it is to watch like just games, uh, you know, when you don't have a dog in the fight outside of the, being a Cowboys fan, rooting for a six-win team, <laughs> I mean, not as much excitement, so. You know, it's interesting. First, let me start off with the Cowboys. I uh, watched the first half, and mm-hmm. then I was like, I, I, I just couldn't do it to myself anymore. <laughs> I did not want a division championship to go to Mike McCarthy because he's done a horrible job with this team this year. Yep. You remember some of the stuff in the beginning that they felt like they, they weren't coached well and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So that was my main thing. I always want to root for my Dallas Cowboys. I would have rooted for them in week 17 against the Buccaneers in a game that they probably would have had a shot at winning because I think they match up well versus Tampa. But I didn't want Mike McCarthy to say that he won a division at 7-9. and nine. Now, when you look at what happened, for, no, no, let, me, let me touch on this first. You know, over a decade now of being in the fantasy industry and analyzing fantasy sports and, you know, for different media outlets. Two decades, like man. We're, 
getting up there. Yeah, no, bro. I know that, that's 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 a good look right there. Um, <laughs> here's what I got to say about it. I always look forward to the playoffs because I'm not chasing stats. I just get a chance to watch and enjoy the actual game of football. You feel mm-hmm. differently. You like to have a dog in a fight this time of year. Well, in in week 17. So when when you when you've been you know scratching and clawing for 16 weeks, and then you know tack on you know the the weeks of research going into your drafts. And then in that week 17, you you don't have a dog in the fight. You're like, uh, yeah, I kind of, you know, I kind of miss it. But in the playoffs, I agree. I am watching the games just for the pure enjoyment uh, of being a fan. I'm obviously also, you know, deep into the stats too. By the way, Stardom and Sidham will continue throughout the postseason. It's not going to be nearly as, uh, you know, voluminous. Let's put it that way. But it, you will be able to find that on si.com slash fantasy. So, you know, I'm still researching and, and and keeping tabs of course on, on what's going on and it is nice to to be able to kind of sit back as a fan and just watch the games but but week 17 is that week where I'm like I know I, I know I shouldn't be playing right now but I do miss it a little bit yeah no doubt and I do want to give a shout out to all the week 17 champions out there don't think that we forgot about you we're not going to spend a lot of time on that this week we're going to get into the Fabiano awards the fabbies as 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 they are called and go through some of the highs and lows of the mm-hmm. fantasy season but, I, Mike, I want to give a shout-out to the NFL and the job they did getting all games played with no cancellation this season and stuff like that in the COVID era. And mm-hmm. I also want to give a shout-out to the schedule makers because you see how it works. When you look at the playoff situation in the AFC, three teams from the AFC North made it. Yep, That's odd, and it rarely happens. The mm-hmm. reason why three teams from the AFC North was able to make it was because the AFC North got fat beating up on uh, the uh, NFC East. Correct. And that's how it's supposed to work. When you have a division that's that down, the opposite conferences, uh, the division that they play should be up. So going into the playoffs, you wonder, are the Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens really that good? I think the Ravens are, are getting hot, have gotten hot at the right time. And they've got Tennessee, and you know in the back of their minds they want to get a little redemption for getting knocked out of the playoffs last year by Tennessee. And I believe the Ravens are favored in this game already. And I remember last year it was a scenario where the Ravens were the team that was the that was the the favorite. Uh, Tennessee came in and uh, and ultimately beat them. But that's going to be an interesting matchup. So the Steelers, I don't have a lot of faith in. I, I really yeah. don't. I mean, they, they lost to the Bengals. That they, they just they, they should have. They almost lost to the Cowboys. I mean, right? And, and mm-hmm. let's let's not you know let's not get twisted. The Cowboys are not uh, are not a good football team. So I feel like you're right there. And Cleveland, I think it's a great story. They won 11 games. That's tremendous. Um, especially for the fans there because Cleveland has been long suffering. Do I think Cleveland has a legitimate shot at making a run at the Super Bowl? Nope. I don't. I really do. They lost to the Jets. I know they were down four wide receivers. I understand that. They should have beat Pittsburgh a little bit more uh easily to me. Uh and I know it's a division game, but if if Cleveland came out there and handled business and beat up the Steelers who didn't have Big Ben, that and who didn't have Hayden and you know they, they were they were down a, a bunch of starters. I maybe would have felt a little bit more confident about the Browns, but I think Pittsburgh's going to beat them. 
in the wild card weekend. Yeah, I would agree. It's going to be tough. That's, that's a tall task right there, especially when you have that historical edge that the Pittsburgh Steelers do have over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, when you look at the NFC, it's, you know, you, you, got, you got the football team in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You got that real interesting NFC West matchup with the Rams and the Seahawks. And then, of course, you know, you got, you know, the, the Saints and, and the Bears. I think the Bears are a live dog. I've not been really impressed by the Saints. But I think the NFC is, is really anybody's. I can see any of these teams outside of the football team coming out of the NFC. No, I, I don't agree with the Bears. I don't think they're a good team. I, brother, brother, they were at home, at home yesterday and got their asses kicked at home in a meaningful game. I, I, I think the Saints whooped them, honestly. I, I, okay. I, I, don't like, I, I don't think the Bears are that good. The Bears are a few players away. And, and it's still Mitchell Trubisky. Like, you know, I get it. He's played better. Yeah. He's won games. He's still Mitchell Trubisky. He was terrible yesterday. He didn't show up. I, I, I just, I'm not a believer in Chicago. I, I think the Saints win that game by double digits. Oh, interesting. We've seen the Saints get into some struggles in the playoffs. Uh, hopefully this will be the year. All right, Mike, let's hop into the awards. And the aforementioned mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys do have an mm-hmm. award winner. They may not have no pro bowlers for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. But they do have a winner of an of a Fabby Award, as you can imagine, it is the fantasy stinker of the year. <laughs> it is Ezekiel Elliott running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Who else was who? Else, tell me why Zeke gets this award, and who else was in there running for this category? Zeke gets it because you drafted him third overall, and after Dak went down, he averaged twelve points a game. He failed to score double digits in five of eight games. Okay, during the fantasy season. He was just bad. He had that one good game against Minnesota. That was it. That was it. Other than that, he was mediocre or worse. And Julio was also in this mix, but Julio didn't play down the stretch. So it wasn't a matter of, well, do I start Julio or not? He wasn't playing. The decision was taken out of your hands. With Zeke, he was active in most weeks. And you kind of had to play him because he's Zeke and you drafted him third overall. But ultimately, he didn't produce. And if you had Zeke, there's a good chance you didn't make the playoffs. And if you did, there's a good chance you didn't get to the Super Bowl. And if you did, well, you had a hell of a team around him then. And the one the one game Zeke missed, I mean, Tony Pollard was three times better than than Zeke in terms of uh points. All right. He scored he scored what, 37? And and Zeke averaged 12 a game once Dak went down. So Zeke was one of those players that was again a staker uh, to have on your fantasy team because he was out there. He was active. It was hard to sit him, but he didn't. He didn't give you what you needed. And um, I, I think things will be better, of course, with Dak back and hopefully the offensive line back at one hundred percent. Maybe you pick up a couple of offensive linemen in the draft and uh, some defenders. Uh, the Cowboys have a lot of talent, but Zeke was the biggest stinker, uh, without question. You know that I would agree with that. Ezekiel Elliott definitely a subpar season by his standards, and you know Ezekiel Elliott has set the ball pretty high. But it's time for this team right here to rubber to meet the road because, you see, that was the best offense in the line in the league four years ago. Now these dudes are old and they're hurt and need to replenish, and they yep. don't have the coaching staff around him. I, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, I would never thought in a million years that I would say these words, but I'd rather have Jason Garrett. <laughs> My- it, it wasn't an improvement, was it? No, it was not. <laughs> it, was not an improvement. it was certainly not an improvement uh, from Garrett. Yeah. It, it, McCar- I, 
McCarthy's going to keep the job too because it's financial. You, know, you can't, you Jerry, can't, you can't, you can't fire him after a year and pay him for four more. Jerry likes his puppets too. Jerry That's likes true his too. puppets. Yeah, so no he's not going anywhere, unfortunately. But I mean, you know, not not challenging, you know, the Pettis catch that it wasn't a catch, and then ultimately giving the Giants an opportunity to to kick a field goal. But McCarthy's been he hasn't been a good coach all season long. I mean, let's put it that way. There, there's been more than one instance where McCarthy should have done something and didn't. Uh, uh, I was watching um, Skip Bayless this morning, and he was calling him Sleepy, Sleepy McCarthy, and and that's he seemed like he was asleep at the wheel uh, multiple times this season. Shout out to my man Skip. Shout out to my man Shannon Sharp as well. Um, you know, it's I just I'm just looking at him on the sideline and with that chubby face and the mass belly fits over it. <laughs> I'm just like, I, we got to do something better than this, but. Uh, one day, my Dallas Cowboys, our Dallas Cowboys, will return to glory. Returning to glory brings us to our comeback player of the year. And a Brad Evans favorite, a guy that he's pounded the table for since he came into the league, has been David Montgomery. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just don't see it with this guy. But, Mike, the winning weeks, the winning weeks of the 2020 fantasy season, David Montgomery was an absolute beast. And I think he is well deserved of the comeback player of the year award. You're right. So typically, you know, this would be a player who was hurt last year and then kind of came back and ended up putting up great numbers. I couldn't find that player. <laughs> right? I mean, Big Ben? Eh, no. He was okay. AJ Green? No. <laughs> so, so I said, I will give this to the player who came back from stinking the previous season. And Dave Montgomery wasn't good as a rookie. Yeah, he showed some flashes, but ultimately didn't rush for a thousand yards. Was a disappointment. His yards per carry average wasn't all that great. He won you a championship, okay? Over his last six games, and I'll include week 17, 25, 27, 24, 29, 20, and 28. Those were the point totals he put up. He was the best running back in fantasy football since week 12, right? I mean, throw Kamara in there too. Kamara had that huge game, but he had a couple of stinkers when Taysom Hill was the quarterback. David Montgomery was the best running back in fantasy football uh, down the stretch. He was uh, Jonathan Taylor was amazing as well. The one thing that I do wonder is if Montgomery's value now is going to be inflated based on the finish that he had. I hope not. Be- because, because look at, okay, and, and I'm not taking anything away from him. The streak started against the Packers. They stink against the run. Lions stink. Texans, ugh. Vikings, ugh. Jaguars, and then Packers. The schedule is not all, all always going to be that favorable. And in the first half of the year, Montgomery didn't score more than 22 points in a game. He had a 21.7 point game against the Giants in week two. His next best was 18 points uh, against the Bucks. Other than that, every single other game was under 14 points. So I get it. He helped his value. There's no question about it. There was no Tariq Cohen. In some games, there was no Cordero Patterson. He was fed the ball a ton. I don't know that that's going to be the case in 2021. I'm just, I don't think he's a top 20 pick. Let's just say that. Yeah, I would I would definitely would not redraft him on that 2-3 turn. I can see him going that way. When you get to that middle of the third, I will more than likely be, you know, take a shot on Montgomery. As an RB2, if you start with three running backs as an RB3, I'd like it better. But that's how I would look at Montgomery uh, moving yep. into the 2021 season. Obviously, we got to see what the rookie running back class brings and, mm-hmm. with, and how they shape up and how they land on teams. 
Um, yeah. Women Wire Pick of the Year is always one of my favorite ones. And I think this year was pretty cut and dry. Not to say that you're a Christian McCaffrey uh, fantasy owner, that he was able to come in there and fill that void that McCaffrey does. But let me tell you something. If you were a McCaffrey owner and you was able to scoop up Mike Davis, the winner of this award, off the waiver wire, you got to feel pretty good. And I don't think that you were left out of competition because he more than sufficed for the loss of Christian McCaffrey as far as putting him in your lineup and having a consistent point producer in the mold of Christian McCaffrey. He had a career year. He was great, right? I mean, like he wasn't putting up McCaffrey numbers for the entirety of the season, but I mean, he finished the fantasy season as the RB11. He wasn't on anybody's roster, right? And it came at a position that's very hard oftentimes to find off the waiver wire at that level. So, and I get it. James Robinson was on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues too, but he, he was also a late round pick at that point. Drops were going on. There were some rumblings. And a lot of a lot of sharp folks out there thought, oh, I'll take a flyer on him here late. But Davis was the guy in season that if you picked up, he kept you afloat. He gave you a shot to get to your playoffs and ultimately uh, get to that championship. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think um, Mike Davis is the is, is the clear guy right here. You know, like you said, you mentioned. You know, uh, James Robinson, like you said, early, late in drafts, he started to go and stuff like that. And I'm quite sure that we will hear the name James Robinson at some point throughout the course of this. Now, we get to the Fabby Award for draft day value of the year. This is where I have a bit of a disagreement with. Mm -hmm. You give the award to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers was a steal on draft day. But oftentimes, we do see quarterbacks as draft day steals. I remember Cam Newton, his MVP season. I got him in the 18th round of a draft. Matt Ryan, his MVP season, was going well into double-digit rounds. I thought the award of draft day value should have went to Keenan Allen. And I think that people slept on Keenan Allen, rightfully so because of Tyrod Taylor being the quarterback. But when Herbert got that job, Keenan Allen became a fantasy stud. Yeah, Keenan was great. The reason why I went with he had 52, uh, uh, 51 touchdowns, man. I mean, like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> it, it, it was I mean, it, he, he was amazing. It was, it was the best year of his career. And he's, he's, he's Aaron freaking Rogers. Right. So, and I get it. Quarterback is, is, is a deeper position. No question about that. His ADP in the fantasy football world championships was 141. 141, Corey. I mean, it's, crazy. it's unreal. You know, he finished the fantasy season as the QB4. He finished the season uh, overall as the QB2. I, and you got him for a song and dance. Like, at the end of your draft, like, people were, uh, he had a bad year. He averaged 17 points last season. It looks like it's it's downhill for Rodgers. They didn't do anything in the draft. They signed Devin Funches ho-hum, and he ended up opting out. Rodgers was bananas good. Like, he was... He gave you he gave you the flexibility to make a trade to improve your roster because you probably already had a QB1, right? And he was a weekend and week out starter and he did it every week. He he might have had two stinkers all year. He had that one stinker against Tampa. Think about that too. Think about that. Aaron Rodgers, all right, had over 50 total touchdowns. He was amazing. Right through for almost forty three hundred yards against the Buccaneers, he had one hundred sixty yards and no touchdowns and a thirty five point four passer rating. Right, and the other stinker came against Carolina when you kind of needed him 
He had 143 yards and a touchdown, um, although he helped you a little bit on the ground. Other than that, I mean, th- this was Rodgers' season. Four touchdown passes, two, three, four. Had the zero against the Bucks. four, three, four, two, three, four, three. Th- he was amazing. Last two weeks of the season, four touchdown passes each. And I will tell you this. I, d- I dug up a little fun statistical trend. Aaron Rodgers is not good historically in week 15. Don't know why. Have no idea. Just one of those strange things. But all 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 told, I mean, I, I just I couldn't see a better a better value in fantasy drafts uh than Aaron Rodgers, even though he did, of course, uh or he does, of course, play uh, a position that's pretty deep. Now let's go over to the bust of the year. And I think it goes without a doubt. This one, the one thing that immediately comes to mind for everybody is New Orleans Saints receiver Michael Thomas coming off an historic year last year, goes in the middle of the first round of drafts this year, and the high ankle sprain is one thing. We can kind of forgive you for that. But then some of the things that went on, and I've talked to some people that know that organization well, and when I start to hear things like trade, floated, when I start to hear things like has an Antonio Brown-type attitude, I'm starting to think, what the hell happened in New Orleans, in that locker room this season. We remember they had the big to-do with with uh, Drew Brees in the offseason and all of that stuff that went right. on. But once you got back into the locker room and started to play football, you feel that that would go away. I'm not saying that that, the, that was what the case was, but it seemed to be a really negative attitude coming out of the Saints towards Michael Thomas, and fantasy owners took the brunt of that pain as well. Yeah, and remember, he was suspended for a game for punching yep. a teammate, too. I don't know what the the cause of that was. We'll probably never know. But even when he played, he wasn't that good. He averaged 23 points a game last year. Mm-hmm. He had more than 374 fantasy points. This year, he finished as the wide receiver 88, just on total points. 88 from one. When he played, he averaged 11.9 points. That's 38th among wide receivers with at least seven games played. And... His future could be as of a wide receiver, too. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback next year, is Michael Thomas a top 10 wideout? Mm. With with a lot of young guys coming through this year? Would you? Uh, I, I, I'll throw this to you. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback for the Saints, okay, in 2021 20, and beyond, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, all going ahead of Michael Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's more, Justin uh, like Jefferson? You, yeah, Justin Jefferson, absolutely, right? I mean, I can make a case that Will Fuller could go ahead of Michael Thomas. So think about it, folks. He could end up being a third round pick if Taysom Hill is the quarterback in New Orleans. Next just season. like that. It was all good just a week ago for Michael Thomas, but now we're starting to see a different story, and you don't want to see that thing uh, right there where, you know what I'm saying, where you, when, when you start, and listen, I'm an Antonio Brown supporter, but when you start to hear the Antonio Brown comparisons, especially to a young, talented guy like Michael Thomas, you kind of hope for the best for him because you don't want that cash to start getting to his head, and it's, right. I've seen it happen to some of the best, especially at that position. Moving on to our Rookie of the Year, I think it could have went either two ways, but I do think that we'll get into both players. But honestly speaking, at the running back position, 
you know what, it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and yada, 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 yada. And then a little known undrafted running back down in Duval County mm-hmm. stole the show. Shout out to James Robinson for the fantasy rookie of the year. Didn't finish very strongly because, well, he wasn't available. And that that hurt his stock somewhat, for sure. But overall, he finished the fantasy season as the RB4. So when Jonathan Taylor was struggling, when DeAndre Swift was unreliable, when Clyde Edwards Hilaire was suddenly splitting touches with Le'Veon Bell, and Robinson was the guy. He gave you 20-plus points five times. He gave you a couple of 30-point performances. And he was just steady Eddie, man, all season long. He was just he was a solid option at the hardest position in fantasy football to fill. So even with a great running back class in 2020, the guy who didn't get picked, not only in fantasy drafts, but in the NFL draft, end up being the best player. And I talked to Fred Taylor, had him on my show last week, and I said, does he have staying power? Was this kind of a one-and-done sort of situation? He says, nope. James Robinson's got he's got staying power. He could be the Jaguars featured back for a while. And when you think of Travis uh, Trevor Lawrence in that backfield with James Robinson, that's going to do nothing but help J-Rob next season. Because when you've got Gardner Minshew and Mike Glennon and you know, the, these curtain jerkers and, and Jake Luton under center, defenses are not respecting the pass. Defenses are going to respect the pass with Trevor Lawrence under center. That's going to do nothing but help James Robinson. Is Trevor Lawrence going to be in the center? You don't think he's going to Jacksonville? Why not go back to Clemson for a year? Money? You know, I get that. <laughs> I mean, but you look at a guy, right? Dabo Sweeney, the great, great line by your boy Michael Lombardi this week. Dabo Sweeney can talk a cat off a, off a fish truck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. let me tell you something. You line. look at how the college career came to an end. Really two big victories in his career. And this is a guy that we're saying is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. My thing is, I'm not sold that he comes out. I believe he will. I also think that players, I mean, remember what happened with, uh, you know, th- there's been several yeah. sort of wait, wait, wait. You go back for that extra year and then your stock drops. Yes, right. I mean, that happened to, I'm trying to think, of, it, it, well, Bryce Love got hurt. Um, you know, everyone was talking about how great he was and then he ended up getting hurt. But was it, I don't remember which quarterback it was uh, off the top of my head, but there was a quarterback over the last like five over the last five years or so okay. who stayed and didn't have all that great of a season and his stock dropped a little bit. I, I just feel like the time is now for Lawrence. But Jacksonville, boy, they're going to be. I mean, if he, ever, if he ever stayed in Clemson, that would just be devastating to that city and franchise and, all, uh, and that entire fan base. I, I think he will come out. And I don't think that – I wasn't thinking that Lawrence would go back and hurt his stock. It's more about the injuries. Yeah. I mean – Never know, man. I what happened to Tua. Yep. I'd be I'd be looking right. I mean, I'd be looking to get paid. And, and obviously, you know, there's a there's a cap on that when you're a rookie. Yeah. But it's, and it's, a big time collegiate athlete like Trevor Lawrence yeah. will have a insurance policy on him, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to prevent against yep. injury. But like you say, screw yep. the insurance policy, go get the money while you can. Oh, the breakout player of the year. Absolutely love this one. I would have went with you on this one too. Coming into the season, I remember the exact quote. Looks like Tarzan going to play like Jane. 
<laughs> you, you know, I don't know if I can say that, but you know, you, everybody get the point I'm trying to make. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Now, here's the deal. I was off of him. Then I saw how he finished the end of his rookie season. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I can see me investing fantasy in this guy. I didn't get a chance to put him on any of my big teams. But DK Metcalf is a fantasy stud, and he's a first-round draft pick, and he is our fantasy breakout player of the year. And, and there were several because there was a lot of breakout candidates this season. There was a ton. but And I know he didn't finish strong. Uh, you know, that, that happens when, you, you know, when you're playing you know, Jalen Ramsey. Let's put it that way. But he was the wide receiver six in the fantasy season. He scored 18-plus points eight times. Uh, at that point, he had 10 touchdowns, uh, which was tied for A.J. Brown after week 16 uh, for the fifth most. He led the Seahawks in target share, red zone targets. He's a stud. He's the closest thing to Terrell Owens I've seen since T.O. retired. He's 23. I mean, and he's got Russell Wilson throwing him the football. Yeah, so I don't know if Metcalf's a first-round pick in 2021, but he's certainly a second-round pick. So I would say this about Metcalf. Um, I think he's like a, a, a one-two turn type guy. I think you pull him up there. I think you, that, that deep ball that the Seahawks have, that's very tempting uh, to, 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 to fantasy managers. When I look at the situation with DK Metcalf, I'm just looking at a player who is just physically gifted, extremely talented. I don't think injuries are going to be a problem because of how he's built. And then, Mike, let me ask you this. What was a better play? The DK Metcalf? Run down on the Russell Wilson interception or <laughs> the DeAndre Hopkins Hail Mary. The better play? I mean, just from a pure football perspective, catching a Hail Murray over three defenders when you're the only guy going for the football on your team. That that's pretty that's pretty impressive. But so is DK doing what he did as well. I'd probably go with Nuke. No doubt. Super sleeper of the year. My guy, the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert. Tyrod Taylor, the most unluckiest guy in the NFL. The medical staffs punctures the the lung. Anthony Lynn, truth be told, does not like to play young players. Had didn't no parts of Justin Herbert. And then he comes in there and a quarterback star is born. Yeah, he was. I'll tell you, man, even NFL scouts had questions about him coming into the NFL. Honestly, like people didn't think he was going to make. A long-term impact, not you know, not even talking about his rookie campaign. This guy finished the fantasy season as a QB ten. He averaged more than twenty-one points per game. He broke just about every single quarterback record as it pertains to first-year players. Unbelievable! He was tremendous. He can give you a lot on the ground too, right? Got he's got a he's got a hand cannon, and not only was he great, but he made Keenan Allen great as well. Keenan Allen was was tremendous uh, with, with Justin Herbert under center. I mean, he just had tunnel vision for him. So it's close. I, like you can you can flip James Robinson and Herbert if you wanted to. But yep. Herbert was uh, the, the reason that Robinson was the rookie of the year is because running back is so, so much more difficult to to find quarterbacks. People stream quarterbacks off the freaking waiver wire every single week. I mean, let's let's you know, let's be honest. Right. So. Herbert uh, is the super sleeper because no one saw this coming. No one thought he would start as a rookie. No one thought if he did start as a rookie, he would be nearly this productive. He had an historic rookie campaign. 
no doubt about it. And he was the quarterback of my Kings Classic Championship team. So congratulations uh, on that. Both of us took home Kings Classic Championships this season. It's like a sweep. So hopefully, uh, God willing, I'll see you in Canton next year. And hopefully, I know. I Can we get, get like a trophy for that? Like, what do we get? Is it just like we won so and that's it? Gold jacket. I, I gotta find out. I gotta I gotta text Bob Long. Shout out to my man Bob Long, Mr. Consistency. But yeah, yeah, hopefully if we get everything straight and uh we are living a post-pandemic world, it'll be uh beers at Buffalo Wild Wings in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> the frozen tundra. Sleeper of the year. Shout out to my man Dr. Roto. I believe it was week three when he chanted free JJ, free mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, the gritty on the field, Justin Jefferson. With a more historic rookie season than Randy Moss. Mike, I was not expecting to be saying that to start 2021. I wasn't either. And also keep this in mind. So first off, his ADP in the Fantasy Football World Championships was 119.6. Crazy. Okay. And in the first two games of the year, he had six targets. And people cut him. People dropped him. Because two games, no production, no opportunities. Why would it change? Well, from week three to week 16, he was the wide receiver four, four. I mean, that's insane. He was one of only five wide receivers to average more than 18 points per game during that stretch. He was a wide receiver four, a rookie. Unreal. If and you're and he the Eagles, New York Jets, you got to be kicking yourself. What about the Raiders? Yeah, even the Raiders. I mean, I think Rugg still works out. But yeah, what about the Raiders? Yeah. <laughs> Can you honest if if Gruden and Mayock are being honest with themselves, would they rather not have Jefferson or CD Lamb right now at wide receiver? Really? I mean, seriously. These guys are number one guys. I don't know if Ruggs is a number one guy. If they're yeah. being honest with themselves, Jefferson should be in silver and black, or CD should be in silver and black. And rugs should have fallen into uh, someone else's lap in round one. But ultimately, it is what it is. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. And the most valuable player of the year, and he also won the award for best fantasy performance of the year, is New York Saint running back Alvin Kamara, Mr. RB1. Yeah, man, he was great. Um, Coming off of a disappointing season, too, right? I mean, he was the RB9 last year. He which scored is, touchdowns last year. Right, right. And, until like week 17. And then all of a sudden, it, uh, it opened up. He averaged 25 points a game. He had 20 plus points nine times. When you needed him the most on Christmas Day, he gave you 56. He should have had seven touchdowns. I don't know why Sean Payton took him out of the game for that one drive uh, down near the goal line. He's produced 81 catches or more in every single year that he's been in the NFL. And he's, he's, he's a cinch top five pick next season, unless Taysom Hill's the quarterback. And then you have to wonder, is he a top five pick? But Kamara, outside of maybe two or three games this year, mostly when Taysom Hill was the quarterback, he was an absolute stat sheet stuffer. He was great. And a dude that's still in the prime of his career. And that 56-point performance on Christmas Day is going to go down in history as one of the greatest performances in fantasy football history. No doubt. Now Kamara owns that. Kamara, CMC, or Dalvin Cook, 1-1-2021? I have McCaffrey 1. I have Cook 2. I have Kamara 3. That's where we're at. McCaffrey, 
I just feel like it was a fluke year, man. Quarterback he, in, he, in, in Carolina next year. He averaged, he averaged over 30 points in the three games he played. That's LaDainian Tomlinson numbers. Yes, and he only had 76 touches. So guess what, Corey? He's going to be nice and fresh for 2021. He I mean, he's a young man. Yeah. He's a young man. So, like, I mean, if you're concerned about durability, okay. I, I, I would not be. I, I honestly think that this was just a fluky season for him, and he'll be back and good to go. And if you want to talk about lack of durability, I mean, who, who, who are you going to draft? Dalvin? Yeah, and Dal- Dalvin will miss a game or two next season. I love Dalvin. God bless him, uh, and I feel terrible for his family with what they're going through with the passing of his father. Dalvin is – he got through most of the season injury-free, but you're telling me he's more durable than McCaffrey? I'm not going to say that. Also, with Dalvin Cook, there could be a holdout looming. Dalvin signed a big deal. He, oh, he signed already. Okay, yeah, so he's good he's to go. Good. I, didn't, I, didn't think he, I didn't think he signed. My bad. Yeah, he's good. So he's, he's good. good. He's locked in. Okay. So I have him two, Kamara three, King Henry four, and then I have Adams five. One thing that I do feel like will be beneficial uh, in 2021, depending on where some of these rookie running backs go, that position could be deeper at the top, Corey, than it's been in a while, right? So, so think about think about who is going to get picked, maybe even higher next year. Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson, right? Um, you would go back to Edward Hilaire. Edward Hilaire could be a second round pick next season. What about J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. he could end up being a, a top. 20 or 30, probably a top 30 pick, but maybe top 20. I mean, that position, and depending on where some of these rookie running backs go, there's several spots in the in the league where a rookie could go and thrive right out of the gate. Okay? A lot of openings, a lot of opportunities in the NFL at that position. Uh, is David Johnson going to be back in Houston next season? They could potentially be looking at running back help. Right, I mean, that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Okay, uh, Cam Akers is going to also sneak up in some drafts. Kenyon Drake's on a on a I don't know if it's a franchise or a transition tag off the top of my head, but no guarantee he's back. What about the Niners? I mean, all, all their running backs tend to get hurt. Do they go and dip into the the rookie class and and maybe get a get a running back? DeAndre Swift is going to be drafted much higher next season, without question. What about imagine, Atlanta? Atlanta needs a back bad. Todd Gurley's yeah, done. Yep, yeah, you're right. Can you imagine, imagine a really talented back? Can you imagine Najee Harris in San Francisco? What's that? Najee Harris in San Francisco. <laughs> right? I mean, so so think about it. Like running back could be really deep mm-hmm. at the top. There could be a lot of upside players, and so that could. That could make some fantasy managers go Adams in round one. I don't know that there's another wide receiver worth a first round pick. Like, I mean, Diggs, I guess you could nuke. I, I, I just, I don't see it. But Travis Kelsey could end up being a first round pick. And then you could still get two good running backs in two and three. Where like this season, if you took a wide receiver or a tight end in the first round, your RB2 might not have been all that great. But the depth is going to potentially be there. Uh, in 2021, and I'm going to have a lot of fun doing my uh, my 2021 rankings here. They'll be up on si.com slash fantasy probably in the next couple of weeks, uh, but still trying to keep my focus here on uh, on the playoffs. No doubt about it. So there you go right there. We got you covered. 
fantasy football season may be over as far as the points tabulating on your computer screen. But Michael Fabiano still got you covered over at SI.com. For Michael Fabiano's Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, the Fabbies are in the books. 